Cause sometimes I be right Hello Welcome To the show I got a good show this week for y'all man Look I enjoy I enjoy these little uh, conversations of ours How y'all doing? How y'all feeling? I gotta tell you man uh, I'm excited about this week A lot has happened A lot has gone through my mind Listen NBA season is over We can finally sit down and talk We can get back to predictions actually I gotta let you know I have a prediction For who I believe Is gonna meet up In the NBA Finals I'll give that to y'all At the end of today's show I'm also gonna continue My uh, my mock draft series uh, I'm gonna go with The NFC North I know last week I said the AFC West I was gonna choose them But they, they ain't really Got no picks in the first round You know what I mean Movers and shakers So what I did was I looked at it And I said You know what man The NFC North Whew some interesting things going on in there. I'd like to give that a shot. So we'll do that a little bit later. Also want to get into what's going on with the Knicks right now. The Knicks season is over. Another disappointment coming off of last year's playoff appearance. Everyone, again, like normally do in the sports world, we assume that everyone's going to get better. Oh, they were good this year, but ah, next year they're going to be even better. going to improve. It doesn't always work that way. From year to year, things change. We can review the Lakers' failure of a season. Don't worry. It's not a LeBron hate-filled thing. I'm all for that. But I got an idea about what they should do going forward. But let me intro this thing, man. Welcome back, Cyber family. Thanks for joining me again. If this is your first time listening, welcome. This is Sometimes I Be Right. I am your host, John Farris, reporting live from Trash Can Studios. As always, joined by my co-host, Wally. Say what up, Wally! Coming in hot this week. Let's get in some quick hits, man. I got some hot takes. Quick hits, quick hits. So I want to start off with the uh, the big news of the week seems to be that Aaron Judge turned down a extension offered by the Yankees. Uh, it was a seven-year, $213.5 million contract extension offered to him. He turned it down. Now... I commute to work every day, so I listen to Sports Talk Radio in the morning. I just like to chill out. It's too early for me to get into too much heavy music, right? But the, the conversation seems to be everyone's disappointed. Everyone's like, oh, how could you turn on that much money? How could you turn it down? Oh, my God, what is he thinking? Oh, what, what a diva. Blah, blah, blah. Yankee fans mad. Other teams are excited because they're thinking, oh, man, if he doesn't sign with the Yankees, we can get him. Here's what I'm going to say. If you're, a, if you're a person who's not a professional athlete, if you are not a millionaire, and you're commenting on Aaron Judge turning down this money, first of all, do me a favor, shut up. No offense, no disrespect, but he's operating and living in a world that does not exist to common folk like me and you. The idea of him turning down $213 million sounds insane to us. It sounds insane to someone who's only making 250 k a year, right? $213 million guaranteed? I'm not turning that down. That's what you think. But if he was offered $213 million from the Yankees, you think he's dumb enough to think that that's the highest offer he could ever get on the market? And if that's the highest, then the lowest has to be at least, at least $10 million a year. So the idea of saying, hmm, how could he turn it down? Well, because he's going to bet on himself. 
He's going to say, hey, if I go out there and I put up an MVP caliber season, which he obviously believes he can, then it, he can command whatever he wants. And when you're looking around and you're in that business and you're in that sport and you're one, you're considered one of the top guys of the sport, one of the fan favorites, and you're seeing all your peers get 10 years, 400 million, 10 years, 300 million, you get offered 213? No, 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 I think I'm better than that guy. I want more. Give me what I, what, what I deserve. And if they say no, when you bet on yourself, and I hear people saying, what if he gets hurt? What if he has a bad season? At the very worst, he's going to walk away with at least $10 million a year guaranteed from somebody in the league. Some MLB team, some team will offer him a seven-year, $70 million contract if he has the worst year imaginable this year. He could go out and bat 125 with four home runs, seven RBIs, and miss 120 games this year, and someone would be willing to give him. If his agent said, hey, we'll come there for seven years, $70 million guaranteed, they would pay it, which means to me, hey, $10 $10 million a year, we would all, all the same people saying, how could you turn down $213 million? If you offered that same person $70 million, they would jump at it in a heartbeat, right? So at the very least, he's going to make way more than you need to survive in this world. Take the gamble. Turn down the $213 million, especially when your peers are getting way more than that. And take a chance on yourself, because what if it, what if he has a great year? And he hits the market and some team offers him $350 million over seven years. Was it worth the risk then? Of course it was. And if it falls apart and he ends up getting $10 million somewhere else, in my opinion, still worth the risk. Any one of us would take $10 million a year over the next seven years. So Traylon, 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 I'm going to call him Traylon. Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas, to me is starting to get annoying. There's a lot of hype around this guy, and I don't get it. I think he's an overhyped prospect, and I think the NFL is doing what they always do, is they always see someone be successful one year, and then in that draft, they try to find the guy that closest resembles that and put all of the hype on him and say, we want that on our team. They did it with running quarterbacks for years. A quarterback would come into the league. He would run for a bunch of yards. They would have a great season. The team would be successful. And they would say, oh, we got to go get the next mobile quarterback. And then they go overdraft someone because they think that's what you need to have. Traylon Burks is literally, I listen, I'm a college football nut, right? Like, I love college football. I love watching college football. Now, I'm not one of those guys that deeply invest in all of national recruiting so yeah of course there's going to be some guys on some teams that i that never come across my radar but here's what i'm going to tell you when i look at all of the top names of the skilled players in this draft that come up repeatedly i've heard and seen all of those guys play at some point throughout the season whether i wanted to or not you just can't avoid certain guys right Traylon burks was not one of those guys that ever came across my radar never heard of him okay now all of a sudden, Debo Samuel has an amazing year for, for the 49ers, and now he's being compared. This is, hey, pro comparison, Debo Samuel. He's 6'2", 225, and runs a 4'5", 40. He can line up in the slot. He can line up on the outside. You can put him in the backfield and run him as a running back. He's Debo Samuel. Guess what? Every NFL team now wants to have a Debo Samuel on their roster. So they're looking at this guy saying he closely resembles that, and they're going Google Gaga over him. He's, in my opinion, he's not a top five receiver in this draft. 
I wouldn't draft him over Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, Jamison Williams. I wouldn't draft him over... Uh, mm, I'm drawing a blank right now with some other guys. But I, there's plenty of guys I, I would draft over him. I don't think I would take him over Jahan Dotson, and I definitely wouldn't take him. I wouldn't even take him over David Bell out of Purdue. And I know everyone's down on him because his 40 time was low. That guy is going to be a stud in the league. He's going to be a consistent player. He's going to play well. He's going to produce. He's going to be quiet, though. He ain't going to be big and flashy and all that stuff. He's just going to put up his numbers and go home. And that's what I like in receivers. But anyway, back to the topic. So Traylon Burks is getting all these pro comps, and it's just annoying to me. Stop falling in love with the new gadget in the league. Okay? It, it, listen, they didn't draft Debo Samuel because they thought this is the next big thing in the NFL. They thought this is a really good football player who can come in and we're just trying to get good football players. So they drafted him. Come to find out, he can do a lot more than probably they even realized. And so they're utilizing the guy on their roster. But he's holding out now because he wants more money. Well, now good luck with that. So now some poor team in the NFL is going to go in in the draft and draft this guy Burks way too high and put way too many expectations on him. And it's just, you know, hey, yeah, you get what you get. It ain't going to work out. I can tell you that. So Obi Toppin uh, finished his season for the Knicks with a 42-point performance. And everyone's all excited. And I know going into the summer, everyone's going to be hyping up Obi Toppin. And there's a lot of drama going on right now with Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett and the rest of the team. And there's a lot of people thinking, get get Randle out of here. And now this from Toppin is going to make people say, we got Obi, we can slide right in that spot. Good riddance to Julius Randle. Here's what I'm going to say. Number one, I kind of agree with you. Okay, Obi Toppin is definitely capable. I've been saying this entire season. You can go back to all these different episodes. I said even last week, Obi Toppin's way better than even he realizes he is. And the moment he realizes it, the league is in trouble and the Knicks got themselves a player. Okay, I think Obi Toppin's really good. I think he's really, really good. I think he's ready to go and excel. That 42 point performance for me just validates what I already thought. He's capable. Okay, now what I will say is I do think you need to temper some of your expectations because if you're thinking that this is going to be the start of like an amazing thing and he's going to go in and be whatever, I don't know. I'm not thinking that he's going to go out next year and average whatever, but this year per 36 minutes because he was only playing about 17 minutes a game. So if you look at his per 36 stats, he was he averaged 19 points, 8 rebounds, shooting 53% from the field and 31% from three. Now, if you're asking me, a 19 and 8 guy, excellent. Now that's year two. Year three, year four, year five, six, you got yourself. You probably got a guy that can average around 24, 25 points a game. I believe that. And that's a good start. All right? So just keep an eye on Obi Toppin. But listen, Knicks fans, we got we can't fall victim to just assuming every guy's going to get better next year. So that 42 points, it doesn't mean it's going to translate next year. He's going to be putting up monster numbers. Just relax. Temper expectations so you don't get disappointed. We'll get more into the Knicks' future uh, a little later in the show. I got a lot to say about that. So the Lakers missed the playoffs. They missed the play. They missed everything. They were terrible. Had a worse record than the Knicks. Oh, my God. And if you look at their roster on paper, they got good names. 
And and oddly enough, before the season started, all the national media said, this team is a suspect. I don't know if this is going to work, but they were picked to finish well. They were picked to do well. All the analysts said they're built for the playoffs. All they're doing is just coasting until they get in. They're not. Here's what I'm here to say. The Lakers need to start over. The Lakers need to blow it up. Right, They're in cap hell. They're paying guys too much money. Russ Westbrook doesn't fit with LeBron and Anthony Davis. Matter of fact, he just doesn't fit with LeBron. I think LeBron needs to be the point guard of that team because he's not a good enough player off the ball. LeBron in his career has never done much off ball. Like That's just not his strength. Right, His strength is his intelligence and, and running the team. You're, you're way better as a team with LeBron running the show. He makes great decisions, he's a great passer, great facilitator, understands the game, can put people in the right positions. Having them off the ball is just a waste. And if you're gonna have Westbrook run the team, right, and have the ball and have all of the control, well, that's just a waste too because he's a loose cannon. So you're taking two guys, you're giving one guy, putting him in a position to ruin things further, and you're taking your best player and causing him to be completely useless because you're taking him away from his strength. And Anthony Davis, let's face it, they traded for this guy and they signed him to an extension and he was supposed to take over for LeBron and he can't. And I've been saying it from the beginning, I don't understand why everyone thinks Anthony Davis is this great player. Anthony Davis is literally a guy who will have three or four really good games and he blows you away and you say, whoa, this guy's so talented, so talented. And then he doesn't do anything else. He played well in the bubble, and they won a championship in the bubble where no one else wanted to be there. And he had never won a championship, and he was playing with a guy in LeBron who was desperate to win a championship, and they saw that everyone around them was melting under the pressure and the stress of the bubble. And they said, if we, ta- if we lock in and take advantage of this, we got a chip. I'm not going to say put an asterisk next to it. Asterisk? next to it but come on man the writing nobody else wanted to be there the the lakers played like they were having fun and enjoying the idea like they were enjoying it and everyone else seemed like we just can't wait for this nightmare to be over and they took advantage of that outside of that what has anthony davis ever done honestly what has he done that contributed to winning honestly I'm asking the question, and he misses a ton of games, and he's never healthy, and everyone has said, reports have come out, that even LeBron realized coming into the season, oh, this isn't the guy. Coming in out of shape, not really committed, not really looking to do the same things, they're not on the same page. Anthony Davis is a diva who's going to miss a bunch of games, who cares way more about his fashion and the way he looks and his unibrow than he does even his game. The guy has made no improvements, no strides, don't get me started, I'm done with that. Don't get me started on the Lakers. They need to blow it up. They need to blow it up. They need to trade. They need to trade LeBron. They do. And they need to trade Anthony Davis. They do. And they need to trade what Russell Westbrook. They do. Start over. What they should do is they should figure out. They should really figure out what they want to be. And go from there. And start over. If they want to go after free... I, I understand this whole idea of like they're the Lake Show. And they're the Lakers. And oh man, we 
we we have all the fanfare and this and that and da 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 we're showtime. I get it. But you tried it. You brought in all of the names. You brought in the big players and you ended up terrible. And now you're a laughing stock. They they have made it so that the Knicks are no longer like the laughing stock of the league. Like people kind of just, yeah, whatever, that's that's fine. But the Lakers, have you seen them? They're a mess. A mess. And LeBron's coming out now saying, well, I love Westbrook as a teammate. Sure, fine. But if you keep that team together, I guarantee you it's going to be better than it was this year. But it still ain't going to work. Just fundamentally, it's not going to work. They fired the coach. Sure, it was his fault. Got you a championship. He gets no credit for the championship, though, right? Nope. See, that's what I'm talking about. That's that's where the sports media, to me, doesn't make any sense. Frank Vogel got no blame. He got no credit, no credit at all for winning a championship. None. It was all about the players. Fine, that's fair. But then when they suck, you want to pick apart coaching decisions? Yo, it don't matter who he was putting on the court. Nobody was playing well. LeBron was literally the only one that had a season where if you look at the numbers, you say, oh, he did pretty good. And even then, you would think a lot of some of that is kind of hollow. In my opinion, he was stat chasing, but, you know, he was doing it well. But still, it's like he knew what it was. It wasn't leading to victories. It wasn't leading to wins. It's like, oh, it's a shame in year 19 he had just average 30 just for him to even have a chance. Like, did he? Or was he trying to average 30 and, like, that's just, you know, they still lost. Like, what does it mean to have a chance? They weren't going to win these games. Make no mistake about it. The team's terrible, and they need to let all of them go. If I was running the Lakers, I would I would trade everybody. Trade them. Let them go. Anthony Davis would be first on my list of guys I'm getting rid of. You're useless to me. You're not even available. You're going to miss 30, 40 games a year. I promise you that. And then the other games you're in, you're going to be sore. So you're not really going to be able to play a bunch of minutes. That guy's not carrying a franchise going forward. That guy's a diva. Get him out of here. Ugh. But speaking of uh, uh, figuring out what you want to do and building a team, it came across my mind uh, this week. It actually started last week when we were t- when I was talking about. Um, I had mentioned when you try to get the quarter when NFL teams try to draft a quarterback and then build around them. If that's really the best way to approach it, and I've just been send- spending a lot of time thinking, like, man, if I was if I was an owner of a team. Like, how would I go about trying to win a Super Bowl? And my first thought is I would have a long-term approach, right? I don't, think, I don't think the NFL is one of those sports where you can turn it around in a year and go from being a really bad team to being a Super Bowl winning team. I don't think that that's possible. I think people might try to say, what about the Buccaneers two years ago? Like, they weren't a bad team. They had a quarterback that was making errors that were putting them in bad spots. But that team just needed better quarterback play, and then they would be fine. Because that team was in almost every game. They weren't getting blown out in games. But if Jameis Winston's throwing two interceptions a game at bad times, like, come on, man. Some of those games, they were driving for a game-winning drive, and he threw a pick to end the game. 
It's like if he scores on those instead of turning it over, they're winning more games than they won. It wasn't seven and nine was not a, a true representation of how bad or how good that team was. That team was way better than that. And everyone agreed when Tom Brady went there, that's a great move because that team is primed and ready to go. That's a lo- that's a loaded roster. So that's not that's not a good example if you're trying to say that you can go from a bad team to a Super Bowl team. I don't think that. So what I would think is, all right, it's going to take a couple draft classes. Why? Because I'm going to start with building my offensive and defensive line. Right? Because here's what I believe on defense. Well, first of all, first of all, let me say this. You're going to have to make a choice. Are you going to be an offensive dominant team or a defensive dominant team? Because I don't believe you could do both. Last week, I did the mock draft for the NFC East. And in it, the Giants have two first round picks, two top 10 picks. And I, as a mock draft, I was pretending to be the GM. I drafted two offensive linemen because for the last five or six years, the Giants' biggest problem has been their offensive line. Every other mock draft I see, they'll have one offensive lineman and then whatever the best defensive player is available or some other position, right? They'll draft someone else. It's like, dude, you're not fixing those two problems with two players. You're not. Because you could still be wrong. If you draft offensive lineman A and cornerback A, one or both of those could be a bust. It's possible, right? Like, there's no guarantee that those two are going to be as good as advertised. Or offensive lineman could be great, but the defensive player could be boo-boo. So my thought is, if your biggest problem has been the offensive line, five players play on the offensive line. If I can take two of them in the top 10 of any draft, I'm confident both of those guys will be good enough to start for me for the next 10 years and be better than what I have on my roster right now because I have a bad offensive line right now. So why wouldn't I take that and just solve my offensive line problem or at least make a a choice that most people in this world, most people who know football would bet that two top 10 offensive linemen are going to be good players. So take two offensive linemen that are good players, shore up your offensive line, solve that problem once and for all, and then in the second and third round, you could draft the cornerback. You could draft a defensive lineman. Like You don't need to get the best one. You just need one that's going to fit into your system and do what you need them to do. See, Ray Lewis was like the greatest linebacker, but not every team has a Ray Lewis, but you still can win championships if you don't have Ray Lewis, that middle linebacker. See what I'm saying? You don't need an all-time great middle linebacker to win a championship. You don't need a great all-time cornerback to win a championship. Right? So that, that's just my thought. So again, like I said, I would start with the lines. And I would say, do I want to be an offensive-driven team or a defensive-driven team? You make that choice. So let's say you choose, I want to be an offensively-driven team. You say, okay, my defense has to be solid. We got to be middle of the road at worst, right? So we got to be somewhere between like 13 and 17 in the league in total defense and we can win the championship. I believe that. What you need to realize is some people will say, oh, draft the top corner, but that doesn't matter because if he's a great cornerback, but that receiver or that quarterback has seven seconds to find an open player, it, you, can have all, you can have the all-time greatest cornerbacks both sides of the field. They can't cover for that long for an entire game. 
If you can't get pressure on the quarterback, it don't matter who you got guarding the receivers. The receivers are going to get open and make plays. So the whole point is you got to speed up that clock of the quarterback. Because if I have a bad corner, if he only has to cover for two or three seconds, he's going to be just fine. He don't have to be good. He just has to be able to get in the way for two or three seconds. By the time the receiver's ready to make the break, the ball's already gone because the quarterback was getting rushed. So I would shore up my defense. I would work on my defensive line and work back. We're going to get the defensive line so we can stop the run and we can get pressure on the quarterback. Therefore, our secondary doesn't have to be great. We can have an offense, a defensive line that's full of first, second, third rounders. And then my secondary can be all fourth, fifth, and sixth rounders. Because they're, they're going to be okay, but until I can kind of upgrade that, if my front seven is stacked, then we're straight. So again, in review, my plan to build a Super Bowl team is to start with the offensive and defensive lines. Build that up. Because if I can protect my quarterback, my receivers don't have to be great. Because again, like I said, even if they have the best cornerbacks, if they got to cover for seven seconds at a time, over the course of a game, they're going to break down. So protect my quarterback, attack yours. And then I would just continue to work on building that supporting group. I wouldn't worry about the quarterback. Nope, not worried about it. Unless one falls into your lap, like let's say you're... I don't throw it. Let's say you're Minnesota and you're trying to build a championship team. If somehow it falls apart this year and you end up with the first or second pick and you have the opportunity to take, you know, CJ Stroud, and it's just like, no, you're not passing that up. But if you're sitting at like 11 or 12 and you can either A, trade up to get the top guy, or you can. Try to take the next best guy who's available for you and kind of force it. I wouldn't. I would pass every time. Nah, I pass. Unless he's a can't miss. Like, I feel like this guy is just next level. Like, CJ Stroud to me is next level. That guy is so clearly going to be great in the NFL. It's not even like a question. Right? Like, you, you don't even have to think about it. That guy's going to be elite. Don't even worry about it. But, like, so this year is a perfect example. If I need a quarterback, I'm not picking a quarterback. Nah. I'm not taking none of these guys. I don't think any of these guys, number one, are ready to come play day one. And I don't think any of these guys are good enough to make that big of an impact on my team going forward. I think next year alone, you're going to have four or five quarterbacks better than anyone in this draft. You take your top quarterback prospect from this current draft, I promise you he won't be in the top five of eligible draft quarterbacks next year's class. And they certainly weren't in the top five of last year's class. I did that in a couple episodes back where I went over the last like five or six drafts and said, where were these guys ranked? And they were low. So just because this year, this is what you got and you got to pick from this crop, like I'm not doing that. That's not the way I'm operating my franchise. I'm going to make sure that the team is built rock solid. And then we're going to do kind of what Tampa did. I know they kind of lucked into it. They didn't do it on purpose. They didn't plan it that way because nobody thought Tom Brady was going to be available. But what they basically did was they built up their roster and then they just needed to plug in the right quarterback. And the God smiled on them and said, here's the greatest of all time. And he came in and they won a Super Bowl. But that would be the model for me is to build up the team, starting with the offense and defensive line, build up the roster. And then when you feel like you got a roster ready to pop, 
that's when you plug in that quarterback. So I want to take a little time um, to talk about my Knicks. Listen, apologies if you're not a Knicks fan. Apologies if you're not an NBA fan. But there's a lot of rumors going around. Um, This season was a really bad year for the Knicks. And coming off of last year's playoff appearance, everyone was incredibly hyped. They added Evan Fournier. You thought you were going to get a little bit of offense. He's a Knicks killer, so getting him on your roster, like, good. He's a great complimentary piece. And early in the year, it was working out. He was hitting threes. He was doing exactly what you would want him to do, exactly what you expected him to do. He was doing it. By the end of the year, you felt like, what a waste of money. But I still I still think he was a good signing because I feel like if that team's winning, the positives that he brings far outweigh the negative. But if you're on a losing team and you see this guy running up the court doing what he does, it kind of does look like, well, what's the point? But to me, that's, you know, keep him. Don't worry about, like, just not, don't regret it. You just have to make sure the team is better. <laughs> I know that's easier said than done, but whatever. So Julius Randle is like the, the topic of discussion because there's a lot of rumors about his behavior um, around the team. There's rumblings that some players, including R.J. Barrett, are very unhappy with his lack of leadership and his behavior. There were reports that they believe that Julius Randle wants out, that he wants to be traded. And so what he's doing is he's kind of behaving like a James Harden did when he was in Houston and wanted to get traded initially, whereas he was coming in out of shape, kind of just being difficult, just kind of forcing it to be like, I'm going to make you uncomfortable until you trade me. Now, I, for one, I personally don't know how true that is. And I also believe that just because someone's acting out doesn't mean they're trying to do the same thing that the person just did two months before. I don't think that. He might be acting out, sure, but there might be a reason why. And it might not be anything to do with being traded. He might be mad at something. Maybe there's something going on that we're never going to know about. So there's rumors that he's, he doesn't even get dressed with the team. He's getting dressed by himself in a different part of the locker room, a different area. He's getting suited up for the game. He's not participating in uh, starting lineup introductions on road games. He's staying inside the tunnel saying that he'd rather be warming up than worry about the introductions. It's concerning, especially since you just signed him to an extension last year. So he's owed $82.6 million over the next three years. So after a year like this, and then, you know, that money, that contract, it's going to be hard to move them. So you're kind of stuck with them. Now, here's what I would say. The first thing I would want to do if I'm running the Knicks is I would want to find out, does Julius really want to be traded? Does he really want out? The second thing I would find out is I would find out if R.J. Barrett and him really have issues. What is the issue? Right, so reports are that, that R.J. Barrett is is concerned because he, he, he has issues with Randall um, dribbling, over-dribbling the basketball and not passing the ball early enough in the shot co- clock and kind of running the offense. They feel like he's too ball-dominant and then making bad decisions late and kind of like screwing everything up. Now, last year they were winning, and he was doing the same thing Nobody had nothing bad to say. See, when you start losing, people are a lot less tolerant of things that are annoying. R.J. Barrett probably was annoyed last year, too. 
But they were winning, so you can't really say anything because then you come across as a diva. Like, look, Knicks fans, we saw Julius Randle last year and said the same thing. He's not perfect. And I remember texting my best friend during the playoffs saying, hey, after this playoff run, like, do you feel, you know, would you still sign him to like an extension? Or would you be hesitant? And I said I would be hesitant to sign him for an extension. I would have to think real long and hard would I want to re-sign him. I would debate not signing him. But ultimately, what happened was the Knicks got forced into signing Randall. Because they signed him in free agency. He had a good year for them. You seem like, oh, wow, this is the breakout season for him. It's going to be up from here. He had a really good year last year. and He was running offense. He was getting assists, rebounds. He was not quite MVP level, but, like, close. Like, making you think, like, wow, this guy is, like, way better than we thought. Like, because when he got signed, everyone was like, your big acquisition and free agency is Julius Randle. That's it. And then he comes in and does that, and you're like, oh, wait a second. We got something. So if you're the Knicks ownership, you're like, damn, like, we don't, we know that we're, there's, like, still questions. But we really can't afford to just let him go. And we can't afford for him to have another year like this and increase his value. So then we'd have to pay him even more. So let's go in where maybe we can get him at a little lesser value. Because he only did it one year and other teams are going to want to see him do it. And we can kind of feel like we're rewarding him and maybe we can get away with a bit of a steal. Because in a few years, this contract might look like nothing. So they kind of got stuck and forced into signing him. So the very next season, this starts to happen, and it's concerning as a fan because you're like, ah, what are you going to do? And fans now are like, get rid of him, get rid of him, get rid of him. My problem is, I said it before, I'll say it again. If he and R.J. Barrett really can't coexist and they really don't like playing with each other and it's a real problem, then one of them does certainly have to go. And my question is, who are you keeping, Barrett or Randall? And I think everyone immediately would say, oh, R.J. Barrett, without a doubt. Julius Randall, he can go. And I would say, well, hold on a second. I'm not so sure it's that simple. Now, let me start this by saying, I think at the end of the day, I would choose to stick with R.J. Barrett. But it's close. Because, look, R.J. Barrett just finished his third season. Right? And his first season, sure, you're a rookie, no big deal. Last year, he wasn't unbelievable. He wasn't great. He didn't have a great year. Even this year, he didn't have a great year. But Julius Randle last year, we saw him have a really good year. And we saw what could be. And we saw what the team around him looks like when he's able to play that way. And if the issue with him is Barrett, and you eliminate that issue, do you get that Julius back? And if you do, is there someone you can pair with him that's better than R.J. Barrett? Because, look, Barrett, as good as we think he is, it's all just potential. It's still, at this point, three years in, just going based off of what we think he might turn into. Now, yeah, his scoring average is going up from 14 to 17 to now 20. But this year, he averaged 20 points a game, but he only shot 41% from the field. And over his first three years, he's shooting 42% from the field. And his free throw percentage is in the low 70s. Yes, he's only 21, but it's all just potential and projecting forward and saying, we think he can be really good. 
We think he's going to be really, if he keeps improving like this, but what if he doesn't? What if he's never a good shooter? Coming out of the draft, the knock on him was he can get to the basket, but he can't shoot. And he's going to have to really develop a jump shot because right now it doesn't exist. And you're seeing it 41%, 42% over three years. Like he's not a good shooter. And yeah, you could say, well, he's getting better. He's getting better. Sure. But how good is he really going to get? So I don't know. I don't know. What scares me, though, is you have those two. But then you also have Mitchell Robinson, who's a free agent this year. And I feel like the Knicks, much like with Julius Randle, I feel like they're going to kind of be forced into signing him. And giving him more money than he should get because just that fear of being the Knicks and, and, and nicking it again. Letting the guy walk out the door like Mitchell Robinson, who's a fan favorite. Now, listen, I'm going to tell you right now. Offensively, he gives you nothing. Outside of pick and roll and maybe some putback, he gives you nothing. His, his value is rebounding and, uh, and block shots. But again, I don't need you to be the lead the league in block shots. Mitchell Robinson has, they've, they've won nothing since he's been there. He's been injured. They're bad. He's played. They're bad. It's not like when he's on the floor, when he's playing, the team is dramatically better. They're not. So I would set a number and I would offer it to him. And I would say, if that's not good enough, then see you later and let him walk. Don't panic. Don't feel pressured into doing that because that's what you did with Randall. You kind of felt pressured into needing to make sign an extension. And this is what you got. Now you're sitting in this position. Like I said, I think ultimately I would side with R.J. Barrett just because he's 21. Um, he can play two guard or small forward. So I feel like you have some more versatility there. I feel like his game can pair with someone else. He doesn't need to be ball dominant the way that um, Randall does. But neither one of them are must-have. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not that big on R.J. Barrett. That's just my opinion. That's how I feel. Now, some people think I'm crazy, but three years in, if after three years of being in the M, you name me, you name me, the last great player or the last really good player who, in his third season, you were still talking about what he could develop into. I'm just saying, even Luca Doncic, Luca. I don't know. I don't. I'm having a hard time speaking today, y'all. <laughs> Luca came into the league and and by by All Star break of his first year, it was no longer look what he could be. It was like look at what he's doing. R.J. Barrett's not getting no love and no credit for what he's doing. He's getting credit for what you think he could do in the future. I'm not with all that. Let him go. Nah, I'm not saying trade them. <laughs> I'm not saying trade either of them. I'm saying, listen, sit them in the room and figure out their differences. Figure out what they need. Figure out what's going on with Julius. What's he really mad at? What's really go- Is anything going on? Or is this just something that's being blown out of proportion? Is this just us needing a story to talk about because the season is bad and we got nothing else going on? If it's nothing and he says, yo, listen, I promise you I want to be here. I would tell him straight up, yo, if you don't want to be here, we're willing to trade you. I don't know where we're going to be able to. We will do whatever we have to do to get you out of this building if you don't want to be here. 
But have the honest conversation with him. Find out what he really wants. And then bring RJ in and say, yo, what's going on? Can y'all figure this out? Can y'all work together? And if they say, yeah, it ain't no big deal. Man, we could work till we figure this out. Then I would go forward with that. And I would keep those two dudes as the cornerstone. And I would try to pick up some pieces around them. I'll tell you what, they better go get a point guard. They need a real point guard. You know who's on the roster that actually annoys the hell out of me? Emmanuel quickly. I'm sorry. I know I know you love him. I know you do. You love him. I don't. I, I don't think he's any good. I don't. I don't. I think he doesn't play a lot. And I think in his in his little spot minutes, he's able to look good because he's not being exposed to much. He's still being kind of hidden. It's kind of like the preseason in the NFL when you got a third-string quarterback coming in and he looks good. But he only played a couple series against the other team's third-string roster. And it's like, ah, what does that mean? But when you put him in and you force him to start, it's not pretty. I don't think Quickly is the future of this team at all. I think that guy's a mess. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, I don't like anybody that when they shoot a three, it looks like me at the park. <laughs> it looks like he struggles to reach the rim. Like, when he's shooting a three, it looks like he's just launching it. He has terrible form, and it looks like he has to put a lot behind it to reach the rim. I don't like it. I know he makes them. I don't like it. I don't think that that guy's the future going forward. And I hate when I hear people say, oh, you got to get him involved more. That's the future right there. I don't think so. I think if you're thinking that that's your future, nah, get out of here. He be Keep him coming off the bench. I don't care. Having the six or seven guy off the bench. Not off the bench. I'm sorry. Not six or seven guy off the bench. Jeez, he would never play. Like, if you want to have him part of your second unit, cool. No problem. If you need a little bit of offensive spark or whatever, he's good for that. Short burst, he could do well. I just don't think if, if you're going to put him in the starting lineup, I think that's a bad idea. But what do I know? I'm just a lowly Knicks fan who, who has never seen them win a championship, so I don't know. So let's move on now. Let's move on to this mock draft. Again, we're gonna do uh we're gonna do a one round um NFL mock draft. And I'm going to be playing the GM for the NFC North. For those of you who don't know or just need a refresher, that consists of the Detroit Lions, Chicago Bears, Minnesota Vikings, and the Green Bay Packers. Now, once again, the uh, the draft simulator I'll be using is uh, profootballnetwork.com. Um, so we're going to do a one-round mock draft. Trades involved, and I'll let you know what uh, I'm going to do. So right off the bat, picking at number two, we have the Detroit Lions. Now, let me say something. When I looked up the team needs for the Detroit Lions, correct? They need a wide receiver. And then the second need they have listed is quarterback. Bruh, they got Jared Goff. <laughs> Can y'all stop this? Let me calm myself down. Because if I'm the GM, right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say, all right, we got Jared Goff, right? We got him locked up for a couple years. Like He's got a massive contract. He's going to be here. We can't just get rid of him. How good can he be? And I would say, what is our best bet? trying to draft one of these quarterbacks and say, hey, go take over for Jared Goff or say, hey, Jared Goff is good enough 
to win games. Let's load up around them and see if maybe we can't hit hit gold, hit pay dirt. I hate the idea that that they might draft a quarterback. Get out of here. Draft one, draft Bailey Zappi in the sixth round and put him as your backup, and maybe one day he could start for you. That's 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 the most I'm willing to concede. Jared Goff is better than every single quarterback in this draft. Jared Goff coming out of college would have been evaluated with a higher grade than every single quarterback coming out in this draft. And I, I I'm not I didn't look it up. I should have looked it up. I really should have looked it up. I'm not going to. <laughs> but I but I'm willing to bet you a significant amount that Jared Goff's draft grade coming out of college is higher than any grade for any one of these quarterbacks coming out this year. Yet, yet we're gonna say, hey. They need a quarterback because Jared Goff ain't it. But you think any one of these bozos are? No offense. I shouldn't call them bozos. That's rude. They're probably nice guys. Good play. Good for you. You know, these kids, you know, whatever. Have a blast. Fulfill your dream. Live your dreams, kids. But they, they ain't none of them better than Jared Goff. They also need a linebacker, an edge, and a safety. So right now, I pick number two. Pick number two. Right, first pick off the board was Aiden Hutchinson, the edge out of Michigan. Thank God, knowing that uh, Detroit needs an edge rusher. If they had picked someone else and he was available, whew, I would have been, I would have been hurting. So I got two trade offers that have come in, and I like both of them. So right now, the Detroit Lions have the number two pick. And then the number 32 and the number 34 pick in the second round. But we're not worrying about that. We're going to focus on they just have the number two pick. So the two trade offers I got is I have the Jets are offering. They want to move up to number two. They're sitting at number four. So the Jets are offering me the fourth pick and the 10th pick along with a third round pick next year for my number two pick. Are you kidding me right now? (laughs) Listen, this is a mock draft simulator. And I'm pretty sure this would never happen. I can't imagine who the Jets want to take that they got to move up two spots and give up both of their first round picks to do so. But they want to move up and they're going to offer me four and ten. It means I'm getting two top ten picks for this second pick. Now, I just told you I need a receiver, a linebacker, an edge, and a safety. I can get great players. Great players. At any one of those positions at four and ten. The other trade offer I got was the Texans. They want to give me pick three and pick 13. Well, I'm going to reject that. The Jets have made me an offer I cannot refuse. I will be taking it. And the Jets foolishly, for some reason, took Kyle Hamilton. Unbelievable. So now I'm back on the clock at four. And I need a receiver. And I got more trade offers. Hey, I'm I'm willing to listen. (laughs) <laughs> I got listen I got my franchise quarterback in Jared Goff right that's that's my opinion I got a guy that I feel like I can ride with for at least the next three years and we could be good Pittsburgh wants to move up from pick 20 they're offering me pick 20 pick 52 in a first rounder next year get out of here Pittsburgh Atlanta's offering me pick eight and pick 43 along with a third rounder next year guess what I got pick 10 get out of here and Seattle's offering me pick nine and a first-round pick next year and a third-round pick next year. Get out of here. I'm making this pick. You already know what I'm going to do. Look, 
I believe in Jared Goff. They have a couple good receivers in Detroit. Right? Now, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge out of Oregon, is on the board. Malik Willis, the quarterback's on the board. Trayvon Walker, the edge out of Georgia, is on the board. Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati is on the board. Come on. You got Jordan Davis. You got Jamison Williams. You got Derek Stingley. You got George Karloftis. You got Kenny Pickett. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to help out my man Jared Goff. And you guys know where I'm going. I make no make no mistake about it. I'm drafting Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State, who I believe is the number one, hands down, without doubt, without question, the best receiver in this draft class. I'm drafting him with my number four pick for the Detroit Lions, and I'm giving Jared Goff a legit bona fide stud receiver to work with. That's what I'm doing. Now we're up at pick 10. I'm not taking any more trade offers because get out of here, guys. And at pick 10, I'm going to go ahead and help out my man Jared Goff again and take another receiver. I'm just playing. (laughs) I'm not trying to get fired day one on the job. (sighs) So we took care of our one need at receiver. We still need a linebacker, edge, and a safety. When I look at this and I look at who's available, I start to say to myself, like, hmm, what should I do? Should I go ahead and take Trayvon Walker out of Georgia, the edge rusher, and go based on strictly potential and what he could be? He's got really good taste. He's a good player, but maybe number 10, I don't know. Maybe not. You got Jermaine Johnson from Florida State, the guy who transferred from Georgia. So you know he's talented, but I don't know about number 10. You got George Karloftis from Purdue, who I personally don't really like that much, but scouts seem to love him. I mean, I don't, I'm, no, I'm no professional, so I don't know. I could draft Chris Olave and get that duo back together, but I'm not going to do that. The name that stands out to me is Devin Lloyd, linebacker from Utah. A part of me just feels like I should add that linebacker. But to be honest with you, he's rated 21 on the board. Trayvon Walker's rated six on the board. He's an edge rusher. He's a position of need, and he's our best player available. I'm going to take him. I'm going to take him. Why not? Next up from the NFC North is the Minnesota Vikings. They have pick number 12. Their needs are a cornerback, a defensive tackle, a safety, an edge rusher, and a linebacker. They're picking at number 12. Now, I got two trade offers coming in for this 12 pick. So uh, the Chargers want to trade me pick 17 and a second rounder next year for my 12 and pick 250. I'm not that mad at that. Except I do need a D tackle and Jordan Davis is sitting right in my face. My second trade offer is pick 21 and 54 from New England. I'm going to reject that straight up. I'm going to reject this offer. I'm going to stand in here and I'm going to take Jordan Davis. If I'm Minnesota and one of my needs is a defensive tackle and the top rated player on my board happens to be a defensive tackle, I'm not going to get cute. I'm not going to try to trade around and see if I go whatever. No, 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 no. Get him. Do it. Do it. (laughs) 
Yeah, we take Jordan Davis. Next up is Green Bay. The pack. The pack is back. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna tell you right off the board, right off the bat, right off the bat. They need a wide receiver, a linebacker, an offensive tackle, a corner, and an edge. Those are their positions of need. Most pressing needs. Well, I'm gonna tell you right off the bat. I, I just signed Aaron Rodgers to a two hundred million dollar extension. And I just traded away my number one receiver. So obviously I'm gonna have to take a receiver. Right? So who am I going to take? I'm going to tell you right now exactly who I'm going to take. I'm going to take Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Why? Because he's 6'3", 219. He's not the fastest guy in the world. Actually, he's 6'5". He's closer to 6'5". I don't know why they have him listed as 6'3". But I know he's a 6'5 player. So he's 6'5", 220. He's not the fastest guy, but he catches everything. He catches everything. He runs good routes. He's always there. He's dependable. That's what Aaron Rodgers needs. A guy that's going to be where he's supposed to be. So I'm going to draft him. And Green Bay is back up at 28. And we still need... So we took care of our receiver. We need a linebacker, offensive tackle. Oh, this is easy. This is easy. Nicobe Dean, linebacker from Georgia. I'm taking him. No doubt. Easy money. And we are back on the clock with the Detroit Lions. The uh, Chicago Bears uh, don't have a first-round pick. Uh, I seem to have neglected to tell you guys that. Um, so this is this this is turning into a uh, Detroit Lions mock draft. <laughs> But the Detroit Lions are back on the clock again at 32. And we took a receiver. We took an edge. We need a linebacker safety. And they say we need a quarterback, but we don't, yo. So what am I going to do? Oof. Ooh, slim pickings, baby. As far as, like, <sighs> we need a receiver. We got one. A linebacker or we took an edge. We need a linebacker or a safety. If we're going based on best player available, it would be Kenyon Green, the guard. You know what? I I think I'm going to take him. I think I'm going to take the guard because he is the best player available. Now, if I try to be cute and I try to go down to the best safety that's still on the board, it would be Jalen Petre from Baylor. But he's a 62nd rated player. I'm not going all the way down that low to take a player just because it's a position of need. I'm going to take Kenyon Green because he's a first-round talent. Right, like not obviously, duh. He's the first one. He's like a top twenty-five player that I could pick up at thirty-two, even though it's not a pressing need. If he's better than what I have, and my offensive line could be even better, let's do it. Why not protect my guy again? Protect Jared Goff, build a team around him, and see what happens. I like that. I like the sound of that. So, to give you guys a roundup, the uh, a recap of what these teams did in the first round. Chicago did not draft in the first round. The Detroit Lions walked away with Garrett Wilson, wide receiver from Ohio State, 
Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher from Georgia, and Kenyon Green, the guard from Texas A&M, as well as the New York Jets' third-round pick in next year's draft. That's a great haul for a first round. Are you kidding me? That Jets pick was robbery. Green Bay, Pack walked away with Drake London, wide receiver from USC, and linebacker Nicobe Dean from Georgia. Two guys I really, really like. I think that's a good that's a good haul too. And Minnesota shored up their defensive line by taking Jordan Davis, defensive tackle from Georgia, at the number twelve pick. That's my mock draft, y'all. That's the NFC North. I'm okay with that. I think I did pretty good. How'd y'all feel? How'd y'all feel about that? It's pretty good, in my opinion. Anyway, that's my time, y'all. Appreciate y'all for coming through, checking us out this week. I hope you had a good time. If this was your first time listening, I hope you found something interesting, entertaining. I hope you come back and join us again next time. Cyber family, as always, thanks for coming back week after week after week and enjoying the show. Listen, I enjoy doing this. I enjoy having these conversations with y'all, getting my thoughts out there. If you have anything, any disagreement, any qualms, any opinions, ideas, or whatever you want to say, follow me on social media at John Farris, at the John Farris on all social media platforms. Follow me, link up, DM, comment, whatever it is you want to say. Let's get some, let's get some discord started, some conversation started, some interaction started. So listen, we're getting some predictions for this week. The NBA playoffs have begun as we speak right now. As I'm recording this, the Nets have beaten uh, Cleveland and they have officially locked up the seventh spot. And the other playing game is happening and I'm not paying attention to it because I'm recording the show. But it's pretty much that I already know who I'm picking to get to the NBA finals. This is my prediction, okay? I'm not going to go into details about each individual series, how it's going to turn out. No, no, no. We'll talk about it as it plays out. But my NBA Finals prediction is coming out of the East is going to be the Boston Celtics. I just feel like they're they're playing well, but they're also like kind of not under the radar, but like right where they need to be, where there's no like massive storylines about them, and they're just they're just playing well. And I think they're just going to work their way through. And coming out of the West, surprise, surprise, I got the Phoenix Suns. And my prediction for NBA Finals champ, I think the Phoenix Suns win the championship. I do. I think there is something to be said about getting to the finals and having that experience and having that heartbreak and having that loss and learning that lesson and bringing back the roster. They retained like every single person on that team. They didn't lose any major pieces. So you have those guys with that experience coming right back. I like their chances to get back to the NBA Finals. And once they get there, I think that experience that they had, I think catapults them, just gives them a slight edge over anybody they play. And I think that hunger is there, that drive is there, that competitive spirit is there. And I just think they're going to be able to pull it off and get it done. That's my prediction. Take it to the bank if you choose to and you lose your money. Eh, you know, that's on you. Don't blame me. Just giving you my opinion, y'all. All right, listen. I want you to have a good time. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the start of the playoffs. Listen, uh, is anybody going to watch the USFL? Nah, we'll talk about it next week. I'll see y'all next time.